my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Today is Tuesday, April 17th, and my goodness, I am fired up. We have a crazy day. We have a lot of NFL playoffs. The playoffs are in full swing. We're going to talk a ton about football. It's pretty balanced between football and basketball today. We're also going to touch on baseball. Just there's one topic with baseball. And really, the truth is we're going to lump all of Boston sports together because everybody in Boston needs to just relax. The Celtics, the Red Sox, everybody just needs to tone it down and not just relax. All right. I want to start first with this. One of my friend's parents has a government job. And if you don't live in the United, the United States, I know some people listen to this podcast from Brazil. In the United States, if you have a government job and after you work for a certain amount of time, it is really, really hard to get you fired. It is hard to get fired from a government job in the United States. And for my friend's parent, this is a problem. It's an annoyance because it makes it so you are in a work environment with no urgency. See, all the workers there are safe. They're secure. They don't need to work hard because they're not afraid of being fired. And, and I hate that. I want to work in an environment where you have to do good work. I mean, that's YouTube in a nutshell. If I don't take care of business, if I don't show up to work and do my job to my best of my abilities every single day, eventually my audience is going to decline. I got to keep it up. I got to ramp it up every time. And one of the, that's one of the many reasons why I love the NFL. I love the NFL is my favorite sports league, but that's one of the many reasons why I just saw that Des Bryant, the big time wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys was cut. We just saw that happen recently. And this is a good thing. We want to see people like Des Bryant held accountable. I root for people like Des Bryant to be cut. Here's why. Do you know who Joe Kim Noah is? Joe Kim Noah plays for the Knicks, and Joe Kim Noah signed a contract for $72 million. In the last two years, Joe Kim Noah has only played 53 games for the New York Knicks. That's out of an 82-game season. He averages less than 30 minutes per game. He can't really score. He can't even really rebound. And the Knicks are paying Joe Kim Noah $37.8 million over the next two years. The New York Knicks are stuck with Joe Kim Noah. Or how about this? How about Chandler Parsons? Chandler Parsons, $94 million with the Memphis Grizzlies. Last weekend, he was at Coachella because he's had knee surgery after knee surgery after knee surgery. This year, he played in 36 games for the Grizzlies, and he only started eight of them. He only averages 19 minutes per game, and he's a small forward who averages 2.5 rebounds a game and only seven points per game. And yet he's making millions. I think he's the highest paid person on the Grizzlies. Or, you know, there's all kinds of bad contracts in sports. There's Pablo Sandoval, the $95 million disaster for the Red Sox. Josh Hamilton, the Angels paid him $125 million, and they kept paying him even after he left the league. This is one of my favorites. How about Hunter Pence? The, I think he's a right fielder for the Giants. He's making $90 million with no trade clause, and he has not hit over three hundred since 2011. So when Des Bryant was cut by the Dallas Cowboys, I celebrated. We want that. I want to live in a world where you must deliver. And if you don't deliver, you're done. You're out. That is one of the reasons why I love the NFL. 
See, next year, Des Bryant was scheduled to be the third highest paid wide receiver in all of the NFL, and yet he was not even close to the third best receiver in the NFL. Des Bryant was scheduled to make $16.5 million to play next year. Again, he's, he was nowhere near worth that. Des Bryant was set to make more money than DeAndre Hopkins, more money than A.J. Green, more money than Julio Jones. He was going to be the third highest paid wide receiver in all of the NFL. And over the last couple of years, we have seen a decline in play from Des Bryant. Des Bryant's last good season was 2014. 2014, years ago. This is 2014 stats. In 2014, Des Bryant was thrown to 136 times. He had 88 catches, 1,320 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Those are good numbers. Those are respectable good numbers. So in 2017, the most recent season, he was, he was targeted, he was thrown to 132 times, only four less than 2014, and yet he only had 69 catches, 838 yards, and six touchdowns. Des Bryant's productivity has dropped off of a cliff. And it's not really, you, if you look at 2016 and 2015, he was hurt both years, which is not good. He's getting older. This is now his ninth year in the league. And in 2016 and 2015 combined, he only had 81 catches. Des Bryant has lost his speed. He never had great hands. Des Bryant is a washed up wide receiver. And it's funny, he made his own bed. Des Bryant brought this on himself. A few weeks ago, weeks, months ago, I don't know, Des Bryant said he would not take a pay cut. <laughs> well, when Des Bryant was released by the Cowboys, he went back on that promise. He said, oh, yeah, I would have taken a pay cut. They just never offered it to me. They never talked to me. Well, you made a public statement saying, I would never take a pay cut. You said, blank, no, I will never do that. It's kind of funny how things change, isn't it? And now the rumor is Des Bryant wants to get revenge. Des Bryant is trying to go to a team in the Dallas Cowboys division so that he can play the Dallas Cowboys two times a year. Uh, the problem is nobody in the NFC East wants Des Bryant because he's not very good. And it looks like the Ravens is where he's going to end up. I don't know. Des Bryant, he's washed up. He's not that great anymore. And he's been quoted saying, you know, now I'm going to go get a receiver coach. I'm going to work on my route running. It's a little late. You've been in the league eight years. That, that right there is why football is my favorite sport. One of the many reasons why football is one of my favorite sports. You cannot get complacent. Des Bryant is no longer producing at a high level. And that is the way the world works. That is the world I want to work in. That is the world I want to exi exist in. If you don't produce good work, take a seat. You're done. And that is why I was glad that Des Bryant was cut by the Dallas Cowboys. All right. Oh, my goodness. We have a huge show today. I think we have, let's, how, many, how many topics do we have? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 14 topics for you guys. My goodness. I know when I take, I get a little behind to take a day off. I, I promise I deliver with good, really good shows if I'm a little bit behind. We're going to talk about the Celtics, the Red Sox, LeBron James, what those three things all have in common. We're going to talk about Russell Westbrook padding his stats. Is he? Is he not? Is it even a problem? We're going to talk about the Browns potentially drafting two quarterbacks. We're going to talk about the Patriots, Johnny Manziel. 
I'm going to compare Tremaine Edmonds and Roquan Smith. I found a really good breakdown. I'm going to discuss that. Who would I draft if I was the 49ers? We're going to discuss the Seattle Seahawks potentially trading Russell Wilson. We're going to talk about the 76ers, the Spurs, Lonzo Ball, and so much more. It's worth noting, I am working on a Lamar Jackson film breakdown. It's late. It's totally behind. Please bear with me. I'm really sorry. Between now and May 5th, it's going to be really hard. School is getting busy. It's difficult. I'm only going to do two podcasts this week. I'm really, I'm swamped. I'm doing the best I can. Please, I I have three weeks left until summer break. Please bear with me. I'm I'm almost there. School is is killing me, by the way. I hate school. Like, I'm so done with school. I got into an argument with a professor yesterday. I'm in this class where you don't even have to go. He puts, he, he does a lecture where he just reads off slides He puts all the slides online, so I don't go to class. I just read the slides online. I take really good notes. I only show up on days we have quizzes, and I kill the quizzes. I think my worst quiz score is 8 out of 10, which is like, I mean, 9, 10. My worst is 8 out of 10. I'm killing it in that class. And he threatened to fail me if I don't start showing up. And I said, dude, why? We don't do anything in class. You're wasting an hour of my life. And I just keep, keep running into similar problems with school where school feels more like it creates roadblocks and actually helping create building blocks to get me to a better place. School just is frustrating as I'll get out. And so I guess the point of that is to say the Lamar Jackson breakdown is coming soon, but I just, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. We have three weeks left of summer break. I hope to get the Lamar Jackson breakdown out later this week, but I, I'm doing the best I can. Please bear with me. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. Dude, I want to give a shout-out to 49ers Mafia on Instagram today. I, I, I know I always say, hey, tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. Someone did it. I was so happy that tag. Maybe you guys do it, too. You just never tag me. I don't know. But a guy put on Instagram, hey, follow Strong Opinion Sports. It's this awesome podcast by this kid, Zach Schaumler. And it was just meant the world to me. It really, really, thank 49ers Mafia on Instagram. Go follow him. Thank you so much. I, I, I can't say enough. I hope we, that post, that kind of thing keeps happening. I really appreciate it. So remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports, iTunes, SoundCloud, and tell your friends. All right. I want to describe something to you. I want to describe something to you. Sometimes NFL offenses are one-dimensional. For example, sometimes NFL offenses struggle to run the football. They can only throw really good. They can't run. This is a very big problem. You do not want a one-dimensional offense. The problem is when you fake the run, nobody respects it. You can run play action all you want. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody respects the fact that you can run. They're not going to bite on the play-action fake. So I'm hearing now how great Ben Simmons is. Ben Simmons, rookie for the 76ers. Everybody's telling me all the time, Ben Simmons is the next face of the league. Ben Simmons is unbelievable. Okay, I want to ask you a question. When you think of basketball players, what's the like one thing? You think every basketball player can do this. What is the one thing you think of when you think of a basketball player, particularly an NBA basketball player? I mean, there's two things I think of. I think of dunking and I think of shooting. I think I would assume everybody who plays professional basketball can shoot, right? We would think that. We would think everybody who plays professional basketball can shoot. Guess what? Ben Simmons can't shoot. 
Like legitimate. I'm not saying like, oh, Ben Simmons isn't very good at shooting. I mean, literally, Ben Simmons cannot shoot a basketball. It's unbelievable. Ben Simmons did not make a three-point shot all season. Ben Simmons played 81 games this year. Started 81 out of 81 games. Ben Simmons did not make a single three-point shot all season long. He did not make one. One! Ben Simmons only shoots 56% from free throw range, which is terrible for a guy who plays his position. Ben Simmons can only score in the paint. He cannot shoot. And it is something, you know, I I hear how great he is all the time, and yet I, I just can't get past that. It's a big, concerning problem for me. Last night against the Miami Heat, the 76ers needed a three-point shot late in Game 2 against the Miami Heat. The 76ers needed a three. And Ben Simmons was no help at all. In fact, Ben Simmons was a detriment to his own team. Ben Simmons was just in the way. He'd get the ball and he's like, well, I can't do anything with this. I better give it off to someone else. Ben Simmons was not helpful because Ben Simmons has literally no three-point shot. He cannot shoot threes. He's just in the way. If I was guarding Ben Simmons, I would just hack-a-shack the guy. I would force Ben Simmons to make free throws. I would not respect his jumper. I would play him very soft because Ben Simmons doesn't have a jump shot. Ben Simmons literally can't shoot. I'm not joking with you. This is a big problem. This affects where LeBron James goes this offseason. Everybody's telling me the 76ers are a potential landing spot for LeBron James. Maybe LeBron James goes and plays with Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. I think, honestly, the real honest truth is LeBron James wants to play with people who can shoot three-point shots. Uh, Newsflash. Nobody on the 76ers can shoot threes. I saw it last night. They have J.J. Redick. That's their best three-point shooter. He's okay. I, I, I don't know, man. Ben Simmons can't shoot threes, and it's a glaring flaw in his game. But not just shooting threes. Ben Simmons can't shoot, period. And that is a problem I cannot get past. I cannot get past the fact that Ben Simmons simply cannot shoot. All right. I want to stay with the Philadelphia 76ers for a minute. After losing game two to the Miami Heat, Joel Embiid sent out a tweet. For the record, Joel Embiid, he was watching from the sidelines. Joel Embiid is a great, great player for the Philadelphia 76ers. He's out with an injury. He was watching from the sidelines. Joel Embiid tweeted this. Joel Embiid tweeted bleeping tired of being babied. He said, I am bleeping tired of being babied. And what we all assume, what we all know is Joel Embiid wants to play. Joel Embiid wants to play basketball. He feels like he can play basketball. The doctors for the Philadelphia 76ers are not allowing Joel Embiid to play in the games right now. And I'll be honest, I side with Joel Embiid on this. I get it. I understand you want to preserve a guy from getting hurt. It makes sense in the regular season. It makes sense. You want to keep a guy like Joel Embiid, your perennial all-star, your up-and-coming future star of your franchise. You want to keep that guy healthy. However, it's the playoffs. If you're going to take a chance and risk being injured more, there's no time to do that other than the playoffs. The playoffs are the one time of the year it's okay to fight through the pain and just suck it up and play. I mean, I hope you do that all the time. But if you're going to do it, at the very least, do it in the NBA playoffs. 
There's this narrative that Joel Embiid is injury prone, and the 76ers are not helping that narrative at all. They're just reinforcing the fact that people believe Joel Embiid is actually injury prone. I get it. I would, if I was Joel Embiid, I'd be frustrated. I w- I'd want to play. You know how hard it is to watch your team from the sideline and not help? I, don't, I, don't, I can't think the last time I experienced that legitimately. Like I, I don't think I've ever... I know I've had friends do that. I've never done it. Because I, I, I'm always like, get me in. I want to play. I want to help my team. I'd want to help. I, I would not want to sit on the sideline. And I think there's this funny difference. Because I, I side with Joel Embiid. I understand where Joel Embiid is coming from. I think the 76ers should let the guy play. And there's this really funny difference right now between the 76ers and the Spurs. They have a very similar situation, and yet they're handling it very differently. It's so funny how differently the two organizations are dealing with this problem. So the 76ers are not letting Joel Embiid play through the pain during the NBA playoffs. Well, Kawhi Leonard will not play. Kawhi Leonard will not play in the NBA playoffs because he is hurt. Even though, even though the Spurs doctors have deemed Kawhi Leonard healthy and totally capable of playing right now. You know, it's funny. I compare the Spurs and the Patriots all the time. I think I think there are endless parallels between the Patriots and the Spurs. They both are system reliant. They have really good stern coaches who do not like the media. They rely on veteran players. They do more with less. They do more. They win more with less talent. They have championships. I mean, the comparisons between the Patriots and the Spurs go on and on and on. And it's funny. There's this big difference right now. Kawhi Leonard is nervous to play. He's hurt and he's, he's scared. He doesn't want to go back in. He's not, he doesn't trust the Spurs doctors. And the Spurs are saying, hey, Kawhi, you're healthy. Come play. So I want to remember, there's a moment in the Patriots dynasty, because I compare the Spurs and the Patriots all the time. The huge moment in the history of the Patriots is when the New England Patriots chose to commit to Tom Brady rather than Jimmy Garoppolo. The Patriots traded away Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Don't never forget. I will never, ever let the Patriots fans and their organization forget. The Patriots once had Jimmy Garoppolo and everything he does could have happened in New England, except they got rid of him. That was a huge, huge, pivotal moment in the Patriots franchise. I think a big mistake. I believe the way that the San Antonio Spurs are handling Kawhi Leonard's injury is just as equally bad a mistake. The way the Spurs are handling Kawhi Leonard right now is ridiculously bad. Right, wrong, or indifferent. No matter which side is correct, I actually side with the Spurs. I think the Spurs are right. I believe Kawhi Leonard should play. Whether they're right or not, you can't really dispute the Spurs have handled Kawhi Leonard very, very poorly. They haven't done it. They haven't done well. I mean, the Spurs have called Kawhi Leonard out publicly for not playing. They've spread rumors about him. They, the Spurs have put a wedge between them and Kawhi Leonard. They have driven a wedge between them. I, I honestly don't believe, I do not believe the media is making a big enough deal out of this. This is a bit, why are we all acting like this isn't a huge story? Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded. It's a big deal. The Spurs are ruining their future with Kawhi Leonard, their, French, their best player, 
and we're not making a big enough deal out of it. That's because, you know, I, I honestly believe it's because Kawhi Leonard isn't very loud. What if this happened? What if the Spurs were treating LeBron James the way they're treating Kawhi Leonard? What if the same thing happened to LeBron James? We would see headlines everywhere. We would see giant, giant stories all over the place. Not to mention, so it would be a big news, not to mention there's no way in hell LeBron James would stay in San Antonio. I, I truly believe the Spurs lost Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is gone. He's not going to play for the Spurs. He's gonna, maybe he finishes out his contract. Maybe he doesn't. I believe Kawhi Leonard is done in San Antonio. And again, even if, even if the San Antonio Spurs are right, I actually agree with the Spurs. I think if you're hurt, screw it. You should play. Buck up. It's the playoffs. Let's go. But even if the Spurs are correct, the Spurs have completely mishandled the Kawhi Leonard situation. Every single athlete is unique. I, I work with all kinds of people. I worked with people throughout my life. I was once a dairy manager at Safeway. You can't talk to everybody the same way. Each person is unique. If you're a good leader, you understand the uniqueness and the certain ways you need to talk to everybody. You handle everybody differently. And the Spurs did not handle Kawhi Leonard very well. They talked behind his back. They called him out publicly. They spread rumors. They used all these weird backhanded talk. They were very indirect. That is not how you keep a guy around. That's not how you build trust with your franchise player. I've said this before. I'll say it again. If my buddy was dating a girl and she took all of their, their private issues and called him out publicly rather than dealing with it privately... I would say, dude, you got to break up with that girl. That girl's crazy. The Spurs are doing the exact same thing to Kawhi Leonard. The Spurs' best player, the San Antonio Spurs' best player, Kawhi Leonard, is going to leave their franchise because they treated him poorly. Don't forget that. The Patriots traded Jimmy Garoppolo. The Spurs had Kawhi Leonard. They treated him badly, and now he's going to leave. This should be a bigger story than it is. I honestly believe. I cannot believe the way the Spurs have treated Kawhi Leonard. It, it is a tragedy. <clears throat> All right, I want to I remind you guys of something. Do not ever, ever forget last year during the 2017 NFL football season. The Kansas City Chiefs were the best team in the NFL in the month of September. At the beginning of the NFL season last year, the Kansas City Chiefs were far and away the best team in the NFL. They, they annihilated the Patriots. They dismantled the Patriots in week one. And it, it's funny that we saw the Kansas City Chiefs completely fall apart and barely even make the playoffs. It came down to week 16 or 17. I don't remember. But they fell apart. The Chiefs looked great at first, fell apart. Or how about this? How about last year? The most re just in March, this happened a month ago. In March, in the NCAA Basketball National Championship, Michigan and Villanova are playing each other. Michigan comes out swinging. Michigan comes out ready to fight. They play really well for about five minutes. And then Nova actually steps up their game. They step on the neck of Michigan, and Michigan could not sustain their competitiveness. Villanova went on to completely wipe out Michigan. Or how about this? This is another incident you shouldn't forget. How about the fact that last year in the first game of the NBA playoffs, 
Game one of this series between the Blazers and the Warriors. The Blazers annihilated the Warriors. The Blazers took it to them. Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum played like they were unconscious. And the Blazers beat the Warriors in game one of their series last year in the NBA playoffs. They, they won the first game. And then the Warriors went on to dominate that series. The point is, just because something looks one way at first does not mean it is sustainable. It doesn't always last. It may look great in the first game. It may look great at the beginning of the season. But there's a long way to go. You can't let your foot off the gas. The Celtics, the Red Sox, and LeBron James are all experiencing this. There are three narratives that I will not buy just yet. I need everybody needs to relax. So first of all, the Red Sox are 13 and 2. They're playing great baseball. The Red Sox are unbelievable. They're playing really well. I mean, they have annihilated opponents. I believe the Red Sox just beat the Yankees 14 to 1. Well, everybody in Boston's talking about how the Red Sox are going to the World Series. Whew. Relax, relax. Relax. The Red Sox have played 15 of 162 games. There is a lot of long baseball season left. Relax. You're 15 games in. It's way too early. You're the Kansas City Chiefs dominating in September, but you got a long way to go. Or how about this? The Celtics beat the Milwaukee Bucks in game one of their playoff series. And at the same time, the Cavaliers lost, they didn't just lose, the Cavaliers and LeBron James lost badly to the Indiana Pacers in game one of their playoff series. Relax, 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 relax. LeBron James will be fine. He's going to be fine. And I'm rooting for the Red Sox. I really am. Baseball is better when the Red Sox are good. So thank God the Red Sox are good. I hope they continue their success. The World Series I want, like for the record, 100%, the World Series I want this year, I want the Giants and I want the Red Sox. The two like blue bloods of baseball. These are two historic franchises. I want to see the Giants and the Red Sox play each other in the World Series. That's the World Series I want. But we're 15 games in. Relax. Let's be honest. If the Celtics beat the Bucks, if the Celtics do win their playoff series between the Bucks. I am not going to talk about how great the Celtics are. I'm going to talk about how much the Bucks completely blew it. I, I understand the Celtics have the, the like, question. It's either Greg Popovich or Brad Stevens. The Celtics very possibly have the best coach in the entire NBA. And yet, I, again, if, if the Bucks do lose to the Celtics, I'm just going to trash the Bucks. This All that does is reflect really poorly on Giannis because I hear how great the Greek freak is. I hear how great Giannis is all the time. And if he can't even beat the Celtics, who don't have Kyrie Irving, who don't have Jason Hayward, who are led by a rookie Jason Tatum and Al Horford, if Giannis can't beat that Celtics team, I am going to just be really, really hard on him. The narrative there is not the Celtics. The narrative is the Bucks. Everybody needs to relax. I don't believe the Bucks are going to lose to the Celtics. I don't believe the Cavaliers are going to lose to the Pacers. And I think it's very possible the Red Sox do go on to the World Series, but it's we're 15 games in. They've played 15 games. It's April. Baseball doesn't end till October. There's a whole summer's worth of baseball to play. 
I understand everybody's excited. I'm excited for the Red Sox. But please, for the love of God, relax. <laughs> like, we eat some humble pie, keep it going. Before you talk about the World Series, how about you get to the playoffs first? How about you clinch first place? I like where they're at. They're doing really well. They're atop the AL East. But just keep it going. Relax. I don't know. I, I just, we get so ahead of ourselves. And we've seen many, many times in history, we saw the Chiefs fall apart. We saw the Blazers surprise everybody, win game one. We saw the Michigan State Wolverine, the Michigan Wolverines, not state, just regular Michigan. We saw the Michigan Wolverines come out. They were great in the first five minutes of the NCAA National Championship. But turns out they could not sustain it, and I don't want people to get ahead of themselves. The Red Sox still have a long way to go to sustain what they're doing. The Cavaliers, I don't think they're going to lose to the Pacers. And the, the Celtics, they have a long way to go. They got to keep up the pace. They can't get relaxed. Don't celebrate about beating the Bucks. You've won one game. There's a whole series left. All right, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, is Russell Westbrook padding his stats? And, and if he is, does it matter? I, I don't even know that it matters, even if he is. The Patriots are hard to play for. We're going to discuss that because their players recently have come out and made statements about it. We're going to discuss that in depth. We're going to talk about Johnny Manziel's Spring League game number two. We're going to talk about Johnny Manziel's Spring League in the NFL Development League has come to an end. How did the second game go? Did my opinion of him change at all? We're going to talk about Roquan Smith versus Tremaine Edmonds. Compare the two highly touted linebackers who the 49ers are targeting. And we're going to discuss the idea of the Browns drafting two quarterbacks. Is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? You probably know what I'm going to say. People drive me nuts. All that much more coming up ahead. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports just like 49ers Mafia did. Help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about the show. Share it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. If you understand Reddit, that'd be a big help. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. I would appreciate it to no end. Thank you so much. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. Okay, please, someone tell me. I, I need to know. Is this shirt hideous? Is it fine? I don't know. I, I, I like it. I'm wearing it. I'm happy. If you're listening to the audio version, I'm wearing like an ugly red shirt that's got plat. I said ugly, didn't I? I don't know. I like it. I'm happy. I needed to mix it up. I always wear, you know, dark blues and dark colors. Maybe, I don't know. Try to mix it up. Let me know, please. I don't know. Is this shirt hideous or not? All right. I want to, I want to talk about this. Russell, Russell Westbrook has now had two seasons in a row where he averaged a triple double. And that, that's a huge accomplishment. Only three seasons in the history of the NBA have ever had a player average a triple double. Russell Westbrook now has two of them. And that's crazy. But this has brought on an onslaught of outrage. People are angry. You know, Russell Westbrook's padding his stats. Everybody's mad at Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook clearly could not do this naturally. He's, he's obviously going out of his way to go get rebounds. That's what everybody's saying. That's the narrative around Russell Westbrook right now, that Russell Westbrook is padding his stats. So I, I, I don't know, you know, maybe Russell Westbrook is going out of his way to get rebounds so he can average a triple-double. But I think that's silly. You know, I think Russell Westbrook plays 110% all the time. He gives everything he has. But fine, let's agree with it. 
Let's assume Russell Westbrook does pad his stats. I'll go with it for a minute. So if an NBA player is so good that they can manipulate their own stats to look better, doesn't that just show how good they are? So, so if Russell Westbrook is so good, he can pad his stats. Isn't that actually just a testament to how good he is rather than an indictment? People are looking at it the wrong way. Maybe he is padding his stats. Fine. But that just shows he's so good. He can manipulate his stats. That's unbelievable. Imagine this. Imagine a salesman. And this salesman is so good, he can try to tell, he can try to sell more of the third type of product he has. He's such a good salesman, he's that much in control. He can not only focus on selling as much product as possible, he can focus on selling more of the third type of product. All that does is show he's a great salesman. He's completely in control. He's cruising. He's great. Russell Westbrook, even if he is padding his stats, are, his stats are so good, Russell Westbrook is being accused of padding his stats. All that that would show, if Russell Westbrook is padding his stats, all that that would show is the dude's so good, he can manipulate his stats to make him look better. And a criticism I hear is this. Well, LeBron James could average a triple-double if he tried. Okay, fine. Maybe, maybe, maybe LeBron James could average a triple-double. Hey, guess what, though? LeBron James has never done that. He could. But again, it's an insult. Sorry, it's a compliment rather than an insult. If someone's saying, you know, LeBron James never averaged a triple-double, but he could if he wanted, that all that does is compliment Russell Westbrook. It doesn't actually insult him. I get comments sometimes. Because here's the thing. People, if you, someone's comparing you to the best, if someone's comparing Russell Westbrook to the best player in the world and possibly the... Probably not. It's probably Michael Jordan. But potentially there's an argument that LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. And you're comparing Russell Westbrook to LeBron James? That's good for Russell Westbrook. I get comments all the time. I get backhanded. I, I get... Well, really, people are trying to be angry at me. People are trying to be mean to me on YouTube. They say... You're just a poor man's Colin Cowherd. I'm like, oh, is that, is that supposed to, like, break my soul? It makes me happy. I'm 21 years old. I'm in college. I'm taking 18 credits. And you're comparing me to, in my opinion, the greatest sports radio host of all time? That doesn't hurt my feelings. That makes me happy. <laughs> Comparing Russell Westbrook to LeBron is not an insult. That's just a compliment. If someone's comparing you to the best, hey, well, even if they're not saying you are the best, even if they're not saying you're as good as the best, to be mentioned in the same sentence, that's pretty dang cool. So I just, I don't understand. I, I think people are reading this the wrong way. If Russell Westbrook is actually so good, he can manipulate his stats and pad his stats. That's unbelievable. That just, that's a testament to how good Russell Westbrook is. Now, the question is this to me. This is the most important question with Russell Westbrook. Will Russell Westbrook's triple doubles and will that type of play continue in the playoffs? Because Russell Westbrook is now in the playoffs. And in the playoffs, people play differently. You don't care about stats. You don't care about anything. You are simply trying to win. All you are trying to do in the playoffs is win games. You're not going to try to go get two more rebounds to make your stats look good. I think it's interesting. Game one between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Jazz, Russell Westbrook just missed a triple-double. 
Now, ironically, the way he missed a triple-double was this. He had 37 points. He had 13 rebounds. He only had eight assists. So if, if he's goosing rebounds, if he's going out of his way to get more rebounds, uh, he would have had less than 10. I don't know. I just, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm not. But he, he was two assists away from averaging a triple-double in the playoffs. And in the playoffs, again, nobody cares about stats. I'm going to monitor this the rest of the series. If, if Russell Westbrook averages a triple-double during this series, I don't know that you can accuse him of padding stats. Because I think in the playoffs, you and I can both agree, he's just playing. He's not trying to pad his stats in the playoffs. Nobody, nobody would. That'd be stupid. You were simply trying to walk out of every game with a win. And if it happens 100% naturally in the playoffs, great. But even if he is, I just, I just don't understand. Even if Russell Westbrook is padding his stats... Accusing him of that is simply a compliment. It's not an insult. Comparing Russell Westbrook to LeBron James, accusing him of padding his stats, all that does, all that is, is a testament to how good Russell Westbrook is. <clears throat> man, man, oh man, oh man. Okay, I want to I talk about this. My, I have two favorite movies of all time. Two movies are tied for first. One of my favorite movies of all time, one of the two, is 2009's Star Trek, the reboot with Chris Pine. 2009 Star Trek was directed by J.J. Abrams. Now, one actor, one of the guys who played the Vulcan High Command, one of the actors complained that J.J. Abrams was really, really hard. They said J.J. Abrams pushed the actors really, really hard. They said he's like a slave driver. He's just awful. Uh, well, let me say, whatever J.J. Abrams did, it delivered a great film. Can we all agree J.J. Abrams was highly successful? So maybe maybe he was intense. Maybe he was hard to work for. But it worked. It made a great product. Or how about this? Megan Fox, the Transformers actor, complained that Michael Bay was too strict when filming Transformers. Michael Bay responded, hey, I'm sorry. I expect people to be on time, ready to work. <laughs> like Michael Bay said, yeah, that's how it is. When you work in an environment, yeah, it's going to be strict. We're trying to make a great product. We have seen several former New England Patriots players come out and say Bill Belichick is hard to play for. And we've seen both sides. We've seen some players say, yes, he was hard to play for. We've seen other players, especially the ones from the early 2000s, say, Look, we love Bill Belichick. He was great. It's, it's very polarizing. There's not, it's really black and white. Nobody's just right in the middle on Bill Belichick. But former Patriots have come out and said, I think Danny Amendola even said this, Bill Belichick was no fun to play for. Um, okay, so Bill Belichick was hard to play for. Bill Belichick was strict. I want to first challenge you this. In every single job I've ever done, even the jobs I love, there are things I don't want to do. That's part of the word work. When you do work, not everything is awesome all the time. I was a dairy manager at Safeway. There were moments I hated about that job. I worked at a car place. I loved it sometimes. Often I hated it. Worked at a movie theater, filming baseball, basketball, football games, working for sports networks. There are moments in that job even that you hate. Even strong opinion sports, strong opinion sports, my dream is to have my own company do this podcast full-time as my job. 
There are even parts of doing strong opinion sports. My dream job. There are even parts of doing that that I hate. Newsflash, I hate editing videos. The first person I will hire is an editor to edit my videos for me because I, I absolutely hate it. It's just it's part of the process. There's an idealistic view right now that everybody should love every single minute of every aspect of their job. Again, strong opinion sports is my dream job, and there are even parts of that that I don't like to do. Buck up. Sorry that Bill Belichick is not any fun to play for, but let me ask you, who loves every single minute of their job? Nobody. Nobody does. You don't. I don't. Nobody does. Nobody in the world loves every single minute of their job. Success takes sacrifice. Look, I'm sorry that J.J. Abrams was hard to work for. Sorry that J.J. Abrams was strict. He wanted you to show up on time. But guess what? The product was an amazing movie. I'm sorry Bill Belichick isn't more fun. But guess what? Bill Belichick has five Super Bowl rings. <laughs> like, who cares? He, he makes it happen. Bill Belichick, it's understandable that Bill Belichick is strict because it works. It does work. And, and I don't mind when people leave the New England Patriots to make more money. Danny Amendola left. He wanted to get paid more. The Patriots weren't even going to come close to paying him the same the Dolphins paid him. That is completely understandable. If you want to make more money, go ahead. Leave the Patriots. I, I get it. I understand 100%. But to come out and say, I left the Patriots because it was hard. It wasn't always fun. Give me a break. Newsflash. That is the nature of work. It's called work. It's not called fun. When you leave the house in the morning, you don't say, all right, honey, I'm off for fun. You say, no. All right, honey, I'm off to work. Because work is work. Work is not fun. The, the nature of work is that there are things you have to do you do not want to do. Trust me, I'm in college. I'm learning that lesson very, very well. I'm in 18 credits. I hate most of college. And college is awful. There are things in life you have to do that you don't necessarily want to do to get to where you want to be. Success takes sacrifice. Don't tell me the Patriots aren't any fun to play for. Don't tell me Bill Belichick is strict. Guess what? Every single successful culture in America, in the world, is strict. Or maybe not strict, but has rules and has things you have to do you don't want to do. Maybe it could be more fun. I'm not saying Bill Belichick couldn't be more fun to play for. But you want to have fun? Go to Cleveland. Cleveland sucks. They haven't, they haven't had a winning—they have had two winning seasons in my entire lifetime. So if you want to have fun, go somewhere else. I don't know. I just don't understand that criticism at all. I'm sorry the Patriots aren't more fun to play for. The Patriots are more concerned with actually winning games. All right. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to drink some water because I—it's what I do. I need to drink water to live and talk. You know, it's, it's, I get criticisms all the time. Your voice is, I, I don't even know what people criticize anymore. It's like, dude, just you try talking to a mic for over an hour every other day. It's not easy. Like, go, I, I challenge you. If you want to hate me, you want to criticize me, go for it. Go talk into a mic for an hour. It's not easy. It's not simple. I want to talk about this. Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel just played in his second spring league game in the NFL Development League. And I want to discuss it because Johnny Manziel, after the first game, I was really highly discouraged. I saw Johnny Manziel and I said, that, what we just saw, that was not an NFL quarterback. It was discouraging. It was like, ooh, ooh, that's, that's your best? 
Donnie Menzel couldn't throw. He he ran around. He couldn't even really run. His offensive line was terrible, but it was a mess. Johnny Menzel did not look like an NFL quarterback when I watched him in the first spring league game. So last weekend, his second and final spring league game happened. We saw we saw more. We saw you know Johnny Manziel's offensive line was better. Johnny Manziel looked better. He did look better as a quarterback. Again, a lot of that's because of the offensive line. But here are my takeaways. My takeaways are still this. Johnny Manziel has poor arm strength. Johnny Manziel has no deep ball. And Johnny Manziel's best skill is running around. He Johnny Manziel is at his best in unscripted moments running around playing football because he's not precise. And we saw a few nice throws from Johnny Menzel. Johnny Menzel was 10 for 16, 10 for 16, 188 yards, two rushing touchdowns, and one interception. Now, I want to argue that poor tackling because he's playing against bad competition. These are not NFL defensive ends. This is against very poor competition. Johnny Menzel's able to run around sort of, Against bad athletes, imagine him running around against Miles Garrett or Von Miller. It's not going to happen to the same level of success. And I also want to point out that one interception Johnny Manziel had really should have been three or even four. I mean, Johnny Manziel is playing the same way he did in college. Johnny Manziel runs around. He throws balls up for grabs into danger, into double, triple coverage. It's a mess. It doesn't look good. If you look back at Johnny Manziel's best plays from Alabama, or best plays from Texas A&M, look at Johnny Manziel's best plays from college. There are plays against Alabama. Johnny Manziel runs around, and all he does, he like hucks it up in the middle of a field, and Mike Evans, whoever he had, goes up and makes an incredible catch. It really wasn't precise good football. It wasn't good quarterback play. It was like Fran Tarkett didn't mess. It wasn't, it wasn't really great. Johnny Manziel, again, he's not a precise quarterback. If you want to play street flag football, if you want to have touch football, if you want to run around and have unscripted stuff happen, backyard football, Johnny Manziel's my guy. He, he's the best guy you could ask for. He's better than Tom Brady. But in the NFL, in a league of precision where you have to be accurate, have a great arm, no, no. And, and Johnny Manziel has a lot of it. He, he throws a lot of bad throws into danger. And his, Johnny Manziel's interceptions are even worse than Sam Darnold's. Sam Darnold throws a lot of interceptions. It doesn't bother me very much because Sam Darnold has upside. Sam Darnold has the arm strength and the arm talent to make up for it. See, with the bad Sam Darnold, you also get amazing, incredible, and good Sam Darnold. With Johnny Manziel, you get bad Johnny Manziel, like interception, ugly Johnny Manziel, and you really only get run around, avoid athletes like street football Johnny Menzel. You don't really have that next level a guy like Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield has. You don't see that from Johnny Menzel. Johnny Menzel's interceptions are far worse and far more concerning than Sam Darnold's. Look, I'll take risks if you can make up for it, if you can win with your arm, but Johnny Menzel can't. Johnny Menzel cannot make high-level NFL throws. I honestly believe, even after a second game, which is a little better, Johnny Menzel is best served going to the Canadian Football League. Johnny Menzel should go north of the border, go play in the CFL, prove not only that you can play football, prove you can be a grown-up, and earn it. Go to the CFL, earn that you belong. Look, I, I like the version of Johnny Menzel we have been seeing. I like this version of 
Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel has showed humility. He's likable. He's a guy I'm now rooting for. I remember in college, it's hard to root for this guy. This Johnny Menzel was awful and hard to root for. The new humble comeback Johnny is a guy I like, a guy I'm rooting for. So I'm rooting for Johnny Menzel as a player and as a person, but I don't see an NFL-level quarterback. I really don't. It's fair. Someone, Some guy commented, you can't tell me Johnny Menzel is not somehow good enough to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> like You're right. Honestly, he's right. That commenter was right because there are, I mean, God, there are a lot of really, really awful NFL quarterbacks in the league. Backup quarterbacks in the NFL are, are awful. I mean, there's just not a lot of good quarterbacks out there. But really, comparing Johnny Menzel to the other backups in the league isn't, isn't very good. Because you're not comparing Johnny Menzel to other top prospects. You're not comparing Johnny Menzel to other starting quarterbacks. You're saying, you know, Johnny Menzel is better than Kyle Orton and I know, Bruce Grad. Like, think of any, insert any backup, Trevon Boykin, any backup quarterback in the league. Johnny Menzel might be better than that guy, but that's not really saying very much. And I, don't, I would argue those guys barely even belong in the league. Why should Johnny Menzel, who not only is newsworthy, not only isn't very good at football, he also has significant concerns off the field. Why would I ever bring Johnny Manziel into my locker room? I would not. Go to the CFL, earn your spot, earn the right, and then we can talk. That's how I feel about Johnny Manziel. Absolutely 100%. Because, yeah, he's good enough to be a backup in the league, but that's really not saying very much. All right. Last last thing before I go to break. I have, I have one more thing, then another break, and then a bunch of good stuff. There's a, a rumor going around that just like baffles me. I don't understand. People are so stupid. I don't understand. I, I just don't get it, honestly. The rumor is that the Cleveland Browns could select not one, but two quarterbacks in the upcoming NFL draft. And not just like one quarterback in the first round and one in the sixth round. The rumor is, and the ongoing debate around the league and around the media is, could and should the Browns draft a quarterback with the first overall pick and the fourth overall pick. Two of the top four quarterbacks in this year's NFL draft. Are you serious? Like, are, are you... What? What in the world are you talking about? And it's funny, I heard Nick Wright and a couple other people, they came out and said, yeah, I believe the Browns should draft Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. Are you serious? Are you, are you kidding me? Like, what people don't realize is that the Browns could go out and draft the best quarterback in the NFL draft, and it could still not work. The Browns could still suck because the Browns' roster is atrocious. Don't forget, the Browns need so much more than just a quarterback. The Browns are absolutely awful. You don't just need a quarterback. You need more than that. You need a lot of help on the roster. So let's imagine this. Imagine that the Browns do indeed draft a quarterback with the first pick and again with the fourth pick. Now the Browns have Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. So you're telling me the first day of NFL training camp, you're going to show up. And the first day of camp, you're going to have Tyrod Taylor, Sam Darnold, and Josh Allen. Don't forget the Browns already have a quarterback. They're going to draft another one with the first overall pick. Don't add a third quarterback in the mix. That's just stupid. Stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Are you kidding me? What? You're going to pass on Saquon Barkley or Bradley Chubb 
You're going to... No, 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 no. Who came up with this theory? I want to I ask, who, who came up with a theory? Oh, the Browns should draft not one, but two quarterbacks with their first pick and the fourth pick. Who came up with that? Have you, have you ever heard the saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you actually have none? Well, okay, fine. I think Tyrod Taylor is a placeholder. But if you draft a rookie quarterback, you should just commit to him. What, what kind of message does that send if you draft Sam Darnold and turn around two picks later, draft Josh Allen? Like imagine the scenario. Imagine you go to work your first day. You just get hired for a new job. You show up to work and they say, hey, by the way, we liked you. We hired you. We also hired Josh to do the exact same job. You and Josh are going to rotate and whoever we like better is going to stay. Did, does that really show they have a lot of confidence in you? No, hell no. All it does is show uh, we, the Browns, Sam, we don't really believe in you. So we're going to also give Josh a shot because we're just really not sure who to trust. That's terrible. That's awful. Commit to one guy. I just, this, this is dumb, dumb rumor that's going around and it's just ridiculous. I can't, I can't believe it. I really don't. Like we, we just, you have to have confidence in the guy you draft. Pick one, draft him, and commit to him. Why The Browns have not done that for years. They had Deshaun Kaiser. They could have tried to commit to him, could have made it work. They decided we're going to bail. You're going to bail and draft two guys and not commit to either of them? For the love of God, can the Browns please draft one quarterback, commit to him, and just invest fully in that guy? We haven't seen that in years. The Browns have not done that in, in my lifetime. I don't think the Browns have ever tried that since Tim Couch. They're so scarred that it went wrong once, they'll never try it again. I just don't understand. And who, by the way, is wasting our time? Who is proposing that the Browns draft two quarterbacks at once? I can't believe Nick Wright, a guy for Fox Sports, is a guy I highly respect. He, he comes up, I mean, he's a really, really smart individual. I could not believe he said the Browns should draft two quarterbacks in the first round. Are, really? Are you serious? You think the Browns should have Josh Allen and Sam Darnold? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done wasting your time. I'm, it's just a stupid topic that does not need any more debate. You should not draft two quarterbacks. Pick one, commit to him, and make it happen. For the love of God, I want to see the Browns turn it around and win, and that is how they are going to do it. All right, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take another short break. When I return, we're going to discuss potential linebacker draft picks, Rokon Smith and Tremaine Edmonds. We are going to compare the two linebackers. We're going to discuss the Seahawks potentially trading away Russell Wilson. The Cowboys potentially are going to make a trade that I really want. We're going to discuss Lonzo Ball. We're also going to talk about the theory of, and this was a last-minute addition, we're going to discuss the idea of getting bored with success. I say that all the time. I'm going to finally explain what that means to me. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best most interesting clips. If you like strong opinion sports as much as I do, help me grow the show by telling your friends so we can grow. That rhymed. It's a crime. I feel bad about it. Whatever. Move on. Share it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. If you understand Reddit, help me out. Whatever it is, help me grow strong opinion sports by telling your friends about this show. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right. We are back. It's funny. I don't know if you know, I run around my room all the time with a football just pretending I'm yeah, the next Drew Brees, I just, that's what I do. I took this football from, the one thing I took when I left my college football program, I took this football because I, I felt like I spent a ton of money at this school, screw it. You know, I'm going to, 
So it is expensive football. I feel no shame. Don't feel bad about it at all. I want to talk about this. Today is just chock full of really, really stupid theories. I, oh my goodness, I can't understand some people. It just drives me nuts. There's a guy out there, a guy named Will Brinson. He works for CBS Sports. He wrote an article about the possibility of the Seahawks trading Russell Wilson. And he makes this whole argument. It's actually a good one. It was worth discussing legitimately, even though it's a stupid idea. Um, And I don't blame Will at all. Like, Will Brinson, I totally get it. Look, his job is to make interesting content. And he did. He got me to read. He got me to click on his article. I read the whole thing. It was worth reading, actually. It was interesting. His whole argument starts with this. Jason Lockenfora, an NFL insider, says that the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson have not engaged in talks about making a new deal because Russell Wilson's contract is coming up very, very soon. It's coming to an end. And this other guy out there, Jim Trotter, reported that if 2018 goes badly, it's very possible that Russell Wilson and his, his camp, his, his group of people, his organization, Russell Wilson could push for a trade out of Seattle. Because what we see right now, it looks like the Seahawks are going to be in a rebuilding phase. It looks like the Seattle Seahawks are beginning a rebuilding phase of their franchise. And Russell Wilson does not want to be part of a rebuild. Not at all. And look, I don't, I don't blame Russell Wilson one bit. Russell Wilson is becoming the next Aaron Rodgers in that he plays for this organization. And for whatever dang reason, like Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, and Russell Wilson, they have gotten no support from their franchise. They have bad, you know, Andrew Luck is a bad offensive line. The Packers will not go out and spend free agent money for whatever reason. I mean, the Packers, let's be honest, have to offer more money in free agency if they're going to bring guys to tiny little town like Green Bay. And the Packers seem unwilling to do that. That's not smart. That's not good. When you have an incredible quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, or even Russell Wilson, you go out and you get your quarterback tools for him to be successful. The Seahawks have not done that for Russell Wilson. They went and got him at defense. Awesome. Does that help Russell Wilson in his completion percentage? No, it doesn't. Does that change the fact that Russell Wilson's been running for his life for his entire career? No, it doesn't. For whatever reason, I'm getting all, I'm getting angry. I literally am angry because the Seahawks have not supported Russell Wilson and gotten him an offensive line still to this Day, it's the one thing I've said since the very beginning of this entire podcast started last September. I've said, please, for the love of God, can we get Russell Wilson an offensive line? And they have not done it. Whew. (laughs) Now, the Seahawks use some of their resources, some of their scouting resources, to take a look at quarterback Josh Allen. That's weird, isn't it? Like, you have Russell Wilson. Why would you look at a quarterback in the draft that you probably have no way to go get? Well, I just want to know, why does no one ever give Russell Wilson the respect he deserves? Seems like the Seahawks don't respect him. And, look, Aaron Rodgers would never be in discussion for a trade. Aaron Rodgers' name would never be brought up. We would never ask the question, hey, could the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers? No, of course not. It would never happen. And yet Russell Wilson, his name is being brought up in trade discussions. That's weird, right? Even if even if Russell Wilson brought it up, even if Russell Wilson's the person demanding the trade, that's something that would never happen with Aaron Rodgers because the Packers would take care of Aaron Rodgers. They would make him happy. If Aaron Rodgers privately threatened to 
get traded. Done right there. The Packers do anything he wants. He has all the power. Now, Russell Wilson has carried the Seahawks. The last two, three years, it's been all Russell Wilson. The only reason last year why the Seattle Seahawks were able to win any games at all was because of Russell Wilson. Listen to this statistic. The Seattle Seahawks offense had 38 touchdowns. The Seattle Seahawks offense, all together, everybody, you know, running, throwing all together, the Seattle Seahawks offense had 38 touchdowns. Russell Wilson had 37 touchdowns last year. Russell Wilson had all but one of the Seahawks touchdowns last year. Russell Wilson was their leading rusher. And Russell Wilson had a terrible offensive line last year. Russell Wilson is the only thing keeping the Seattle Seahawks afloat. Now, if the Seattle Seahawks cannot keep Russell Wilson happy, if the Seattle Seahawks cannot keep Russell Wilson around, they are idiots. They are massive, massive failures. Russell Wilson's incredible, and yet nobody can seem to figure out how to appreciate him. Nobody in the media, nobody in his own dang franchise, his defense didn't appreciate him. My goodness, if the Seattle Seahawks do not support Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson leaves, I will not even be mad at Russell Wilson. I've been yelling for years at this, literally yelling, I get angry. I've been yelling that the Seahawks need to give Russell Wilson an offensive line and he has not. So if Russell Wilson asks for a trade, if he forces the Seahawks to get rid of him, I will not blame anybody except for the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks must take care of Russell Wilson. When you have a franchise, when you have not just a franchise quarterback, when you have a generational talent such as Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, or a guy like Russell Wilson, you support the dang quarterback. Don't question how good he is. Don't mention trading him. Don't talk about going to get Josh Allen. Support Russell Wilson for the love of God. Can we please see the Seattle Seahawks take care of their quarterback, Russell Wilson? All right. I want to stay in the NFC West. So I I want to start this topic by recommending that you go and subscribe to a YouTuber named Brett Coleman. Brett Coleman is unbelievable. I found his channel the other day, and I was just blown away. He, He does NFL draft film breakdowns. He takes young NFL prospects. He talks about their strengths, breaks them down 100%. It's fascinating. He's really good. He's better than I am at it. Like he, I, I can do quarterbacks really well. He does linebacker. He does everything. And I'm just like, dude, freaking well done, man. This guy, Brett Coleman, knows what he's talking about. And I, I watched Brett Coleman's two videos about potential 49er draft picks, Tremaine Edmonds and Roquan Smith. And I, I was blown away. He, he pointed out stuff I'd never noticed, things I just didn't I'm not going to, I don't really take the time to watch linebacker film. I'll be honest. I watched his videos. I was like, wow, thank you for putting everything in a nutshell. I really appreciated it. So again, this is basically just a repost of Brett Coleman. Go watch him. If I'm going to talk about what he said, I got to recommend, I got to tell you, this is his, this is, this is his research, not mine. Brett Coleman did a great job. So when I watched Brett Coleman's videos, what I learned was Tremaine Edmonds is basically a super athlete. Tremaine Edmonds is unbelievable. He's similar to Rob Gronkowski, where a guy who's six foot five, 250 pounds, a guy that big, that strong, should not be as athletic as Tremaine Edmonds is. Tremaine Edmonds is like a superhero. It's crazy. Tremaine Edmonds is so big, yet he's so fast. He can run with guys 
that are slot receivers. Tremaine Edmonds can most linebackers you, you use them against the run. If it's really if the receiver if the team offense brings out more wide receivers, they split more guys out wide. You have to bring in another corner from the sideline because you need a faster guy to run with a slot receiver. However, Tremaine Edmonds is so quick and so good. He can run with slot receivers. That's unheard of. So the potential for Tremaine Edmonds is out the roof. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds is an unbelievable athlete. Tremaine Edmonds is unbelievable. The problem is, and you knew this was coming, the problem with Tremaine Edmonds is that he is undisciplined. I mean, to this point in his life, Tremaine Edmonds has always been able to rely on his athletic ability. He's been undisciplined. He makes mistakes, and he makes up for it because he's so much better of an athlete than everybody else he's played against. He can take bad steps. He can screw up reads and still run down a guy and make up for it. So here's the thing. Tremaine Edmonds is a 19-year-old project. He's 19 years old, and he's a guy you're going to have to invest heavily in. The word potential always scares me. Cam Newton has a ton of potential. Not a lot of it's been realized. Deshaun Kaiser? I mean, Cam Newton's done well. Deshaun Kaiser's a guy coming out of the draft. Everybody talked about how much potential Deshaun Kaiser had. I heard a guy, a pundit, say, you know, Deshaun Kaiser could be the best quarterback in this draft. His physical tools are unbelievable. The problem is Deshaun Kaiser's a terrible quarterback. He sucks. He doesn't do the work. He goes out and parties at 1 a.m., He's not very good. He, he might have all the potential in the world. Deshaun Kaiser could be the, maybe the most physically gifted quarterback in the league. The problem is he's no good. He doesn't, he doesn't cultivate that very well. That's the problem with potential. Potential is not really tangible. It's just an idea. Tremaine Edmonds could totally fail. It's high risk, high reward. Now, in contrast, Roquan Smith, the linebacker from Georgia, is reliable. He's not as good. Roquan Smith is really small, and the, the biggest, biggest issue with Roquan Smith is this. Roquan Smith cannot play interior linebacker. Roquan Smith is a one-trick pony. He plays outside linebacker. He's fast. He's small. That's it. You can't not put, you cannot put Roquan Smith as a middle linebacker. He's going to get run over. Teams will run inside run plays, and linemen will come. They will block him. They will run him over. They will push him off. The point of attack, Roquan Smith cannot take on linemen. He's not strong enough. He's not big enough. So Roquan Smith is and only is a weak side linebacker. He's got one job. That's all he can do. But the difference is with Roquan Smith, you know what you're getting. You know you're getting, if you put him at that role, you're getting an NFL starter. With Tremaine Edmonds, you have all this potential and you don't necessarily have a guy who can play at a high level. So Roquan Smith is incredibly vulnerable because Roquan Smith needs help. If you're going to draft Roquan Smith, you'd better have a really good interior linebacker. You, you can't draft Roquan Smith and put him in the middle. He cannot play that position. So it makes me ask the question, who should the 49ers choose? <clears throat> I mean, look, I'm a guy that I always take the sure bet. I go to Starbucks, not because I love their coffee, but because every time I show up to Starbucks, whether I'm in Arizona, New York, Brazil, anywhere in the world, anywhere in the country, I know if I'm going to Starbucks, the cup of coffee is exactly the same everywhere. It might be a, a crappy piece of coffee. It might be six out of 10. 
but I know without a shadow of a doubt exactly what I'm getting. I'm a guy who likes dependability. I like reliability. My fear if I draft Tremaine Edmonds is that he could fail. But the other fear is if I don't draft Tremaine Edmonds, say I don't draft Tremaine Edmonds, he goes to the Seahawks. He becomes the greatest linebacker of all time, and I could have had him, and yet I passed on him. That's a huge, scary thing. Here's what I believe. Here's my belief. I would actually draft Tremaine Edmonds, which is a, an uncharacteristic thing, something I would not normally do. Again, I, I like dependability. I like reliability. Normally, I would never mess with drafting a guy like Tremaine Edmonds. But with Reuben Foster's, you know, questionable presence in the 49ers organization, the 49ers are going to need an interior linebacker. Tremaine Edmonds is incredibly flexible. Roquan Smith is not. Let's say Reuben Foster is allowed to come back to the NFL. You put him in the middle. Well, Tremaine Edmonds can go anywhere. You can literally use Tremaine Edmonds at any position you want. He's so athletic and gifted. Whereas Roquan Smith is a one-trick pony. You can't do that with Roquan Smith. I would I would 100% choose Tremaine Edmonds. I would. He's a riskier pick. He's a scary pick. But it comes down to this. I trust the 49ers coaching staff. I trust they can take a 19-year-old kid and mold him into an incredible linebacker. Because I'll tell you what. If the Seahawks drafted Tremaine Edmonds, oh, yeah, I, without a shadow of a doubt, Tremaine Edmonds is the next big thing because the guy's so talented. He just needs coaching. He needs to have a good attitude. He needs to work hard and listen to coaching. And if he does that, Tremaine Edmonds is unbelievable. So if the 49ers, and hopefully when the 49ers draft Tremaine Edmonds, I'm going to have low expectations. Tremaine Edmonds is 19 years old. He's a project. But I would draft Tremaine Edmonds and I would mold him. That's scary because look, if you're going to draft a first round guy, you got to draft it. You have to land. You cannot miss on first round draft picks. And the truth is, Tremaine Edmonds potentially could be a miss. But his potential is also, I mean, out the roof. He, he could be the best linebacker in the NFL if and only if you can coach him up. So I don't know. I trust John Lynch and the 49ers. If they do draft Tremaine Edmonds, I'm going to say, look, they clearly see something. They see what everybody sees. They believe they can mold him into a great, great linebacker. They're going to do their due diligence. They're going to do all the work they need to. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. If they pick Roquan Smith, I will not be furious. I'll understand because Roquan Smith is more dependable. You know what you're getting. But the sky is the limit with Tremaine Edmonds and Tremaine Edmonds is more flexible. You can use him in more places. You need an interior linebacker. Tremaine Edmonds is the only guy between Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds that could work. There's another guy from Boise State. Maybe you could get him later early in the second round, later in the first round, if you trade down, regardless, I don't know. But I really, really like Tremaine Edmonds. He's an incredible athlete. He's six foot five, 250, moves like Rob Gronkowski. He's the only guy you could put one-on-one with Rob Gronkowski and maybe win. I would draft Tremaine Edmonds, even though it's risky, even though that scares me. That's what I would do. I want to take you guys back to the 2016 NBA draft. Not football. This is now basketball. The first three picks of the 2016 NBA draft were Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, and Jalen Brown. And after one season, it looked like Jalen Brown was the best draft pick. After last year's season, Jalen Brown had the best shooting percentage, he had the best three-point percentage, and you could argue Jalen Smith was the best 
player in last year's draft, at least out of the top three. Now, fast forward to today. From the top three, now Brandon Ingram's shot has improved. Brandon Ingram's shooting 47%. Jalen Brown's shooting 46%. Both Jalen Brown and Brandon Ingram, the second and third pick of last year's NBA draft, are shooting both 39% from three-point range. And Ben Simmons, after not playing at all his first year, Ben Simmons now looks like the best player from the 2016 NBA draft class. At least that's, that's public opinion. Everyone's public opinion is Ben Simmons is the next big thing. He's unbelievable. I think it's so interesting because if you look at last year's NBA draft, the, 2000, the next year, 2017, where the top three picks were Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, and Donovan Mitchell. If you look at their stats now, it's concerning. I mean, look, Markel Fultz only played 11 games. He wasn't very good. He, shot, he did shoot 40%, but he can't shoot threes. He literally can't shoot threes. He has 0% from three-point range. He averages 7.1 points per game. He's only shot 111 shots in the regular season. Lonzo Ball is a little better. Lonzo Ball shoots 36%, 30 from three, 10 points per game. And Donovan Mitchell's unbelievable. Donovan Mitchell's far and away the best player from a 2016 draft class right now. Donovan Mitchell, 20 points per game, 43% shooting, 34% from field goal range. And look, he played all year. He started most of the year. He has 1,362 attempts. Donovan Mitchell, right now, if you look back on this year's NBA season, you would say Donovan Mitchell's the best player from the 2017 NBA draft class. And that's what we would have said about Jalen Brown. Now, I'm not proposing that Lonzo Ball or Markel Fultz will suddenly be better than Mar- than Donovan Mitchell. I, I, I don't believe that. Donovan Mitchell is and will be always probably the best player from this draft. But right now, Lonzo Ball is underwhelming, and Markel Fultz cannot shoot. But it's still super early. If you look at the end of last year, you would have said Jalen Brown, best player from the top three. Brandon Ingram, eh. And Ben Simmons was a clear disappointment. Ben Simmons didn't even play last year. Truth is, look, Donovan Mitchell's 21. He's a year older than everybody. He's ahead of everybody. Lonzo's only 20. Lonzo's younger than I am, and I'm a baby. Markel Fultz is only 19 years old. My philosophy in the NBA is draft a guy. I mean, look, these, all these kids are babies. Draft a guy, bring him in, and develop them in your program. The point of all this is to say it's way too early to call whether Lonzo's a bust or Markel Fultz is a bust. They're babies. They're 19, 20 years old. Donovan Mitchell, again, he's one year bigger, one year stronger, one year older. Lonzo Ball this summer is going to hit the weights. He's going to build his dumb JBA, whatever that is. And Lonzo Ball's never going to be amazing, an amazing athlete. He's not. It's not who he is. But I believe and I hope we will see next year Lonzo Ball will get stronger. He'll get bigger. He'll get older. He'll be healthy all year. I mean, look, if Ben Simmons went in his first year, was hurt, didn't play one leg of basketball, to now he started 81 games in his second year in the NBA, Lonzo Ball's already ahead of him. He played part of this year. He's going to get healthy, he's going to get stronger, get bigger, and he could even play all year next year. We Hopefully, Lonzo Ball will improve his shot. And Markel Fultz is the same story. Markel Fultz is going to work on shooting all offseason. So there's still a long road ahead to see who the best player from the 2017 NBA draft class will be. I believe it's Donovan Mitchell. But right now, I mean, look, it looked like Ben Simmons was a bust, and then he figured it out. He got hurt. So right now, I just think it's too early to call 
we're still going to see a lot of improvement from Lonzo Ball. We're going to see Marco Fultz get better. And Donovan Mitchell is going to keep getting better too. So right now, relax. They're all babies. They're all going to get better. Okay, I want to discuss the Dallas Cowboys. Because right now, the Dallas Cowboys have the 19th overall pick in this year's NFL draft. And there's a big need for the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys need a safety. Well, the Seattle Seahawks do have a safety. The Seattle Seahawks have a safety. His name is Earl Thomas. If I was the Dallas Cowboys, I would trade my first round draft pick and go get Earl Thomas. Let's be quite frank. Here, here's, here it is. Without any, any, anything, but I don't know what I'm saying. Here it is. The Dallas Cowboys are not going to get a better player than Earl Thomas with their first round draft pick. Use the draft pick, trade for Earl Thomas, and you now have a good starting safety. Because Dallas Cowboys roster is unbelievable. I mean, they, they, are, they have a chance in the next couple of years, while Dak Prescott is still really cheap, to make a run at a Super Bowl. They have a good team. They're solid. They need a receiver. But they ha- they, they're on defense. They just need a safety. They're so good. They could use a, an interior lineman and a safety. And I think the answer is go trade your first round pick and bring in Earl Thomas. Because you're not going to get a better, more impactful player with that first pick than you could by trading for Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas is 28 years old. In 2017, he had 56 tackles in 14 games. In 2011, or 2016, in 11 games, he had 24 tackles. And 2015, in all 16 games, he had 42 tackles. The point is, Earl Thomas's play is not declining. He's, he's 28 years old. He's maintaining his level of play. Look, he had two interceptions last year, six passes defended. Earl Thomas can still play at a high level. He has two, three, maybe four years left. If I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I would go out and get Earl Thomas. Get a guy who can help you compete for a Super Bowl. More valuable than whoever you're going to draft at that first overall pick, with that first round pick. That 19th overall pick is not going to help you win a Super Bowl next year. Maybe, but you need a safety. Earl Thomas can be that guy. He can help you now. And it's good for the Seahawks. The Seahawks are rebuilding. I would trade Earl Thomas, get the expensive guy off your roster, trade for Earl, trade Earl Thomas to the Cowboys, bring in the Cowboys' 19th overall pick. The Seahawks would benefit and the Cowboys would benefit. I believe the Dallas Cowboys should trade for the Seattle Seahawks safety, Earl Thomas. That was short, easy. I want to I wanna talk about this. This is my last topic of the day. <clears throat> I use this term sometimes. I say people are bored with success. And I want to debate what that phrase actually means to me. When I say, I use it this way, like LeBron James I believe is the NBA MVP. And I say that people get bored of LeBron James' success. They get tired of seeing LeBron James dominate. And so LeBron James will not win the MVP because people are bored of his success. So last night I'm watching the Warriors and the Spurs play a playoff series. I'm watching game two of their playoff series. And watching that game made me really evaluate what do I mean when I say people are bored of success? What does that mean to me? Because I was rooting for the Spurs. I wanted the Warriors to lose. I'm tired of the Warriors. I'm tired of seeing the Warriors in championship after championship after championship. I want to see the Rockets or the Cavs win. I'm tired of the Warriors. It made me realize, okay, when I say people are bored of success, what does that actually mean? Because I'm bored. I'm tired of the Warriors' success. 
When I say people are bored of success, what I mean by that is I say that people have stopped recognizing someone's success because they're tired of their greatness. People stop recognizing the greatness of certain players because they're bored of their success. That's what I mean. You cannot deny whether you love the Warriors, whether you hate the Warriors, whether you love LeBron James, you cannot deny LeBron is incredibly talented. You cannot deny the Warriors are a great, great basketball team. That's what I mean when I say bored of success. Like, I'm bored of success. I don't want to see the Warriors in another NBA Finals. But it doesn't mean I stop recognizing their greatness. You may hate LeBron James. And this takes a big man to do this. To hate something and yet still respect it's really hard. You can hate LeBron James. You can hate Russell Westbrook. Hate Tom Brady. Hate the Warriors. Hate the Patriots. But do not deny their greatness. Doesn't mean you have to like them. Doesn't mean you have to root for them. But you can't deny Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, they're unbelievable. I, I, I'm not rooting for the Warriors. I don't like the Warriors. But I, I, I must admit, they are unbelievable. We haven't seen four players play together. They might be the greatest team of all time. Maybe not this year. Probably last year was better. But still, regardless, even though I'm not rooting for the Warriors, I don't say that they suck. I don't reject their greatness. I still admit, look, the Warriors are unbelievable. Doesn't mean you have to root for them. Doesn't mean you have to like them. But when I say people get bored of success, I don't mean you're rooting for them. I don't mean you like them. I'm just saying, do not deny someone's greatness because you're tired of them winning. That's all I say when I mean you're bored of success. That is what I mean. All right. My name is Zach Schaumler. This has been Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. God dang it. That was a good episode. It was long. I mean, I'm at like an hour 30 right now. My goodness. Uh, I told you when I take a day off, I bring the heat. That was 14 topics that I think went really, really well. I'm excited to get this out to you guys. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, Help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about this show. Share it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it is. Help me grow Strong Opinion Sports by telling your friends about this show. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much for tuning in. Is my shirt ugly? Please tell me. I don't have any idea. <laughs> uh, we, there, I'm going to do two shows this week. I'm going to do one today. Today's Tuesday. And another one on Thursday. I'm leaving town on Friday to go home. School is winding down. I, look, it's going to be between now and March 5th is going to be really, really hard to get. I, I'm going to you'll you'll see tons of content. It just won't be as consistent once March 5th hits. So I believe that that Monday is March 7th or 8th. Then it's going to work. Then we're going to have a really good recording schedule. I'm going to get stuff out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, earlier in the day before noon on time. I'm very excited. Bear with me. It's going to be rough until then. But once we get to summer break, for me, you're going to see an incredible recording schedule. I promise it's on the way. So my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys have a great day. But um bum bam, we're done.